0: As part of our continuing re series, I've had people come occasionally and share their, their re stories. And today I've asked Sandy Spieth if she would come and share hers. Sandy.
1: I used to be a zombie. My son's eyes just got this big. He's been asking me how I get the scars on my arms. Now I can hear him on the playground going, Oh, yeah? Well, my mom used to be a zombie. Actually, I found myself talking this week and often with people about the many testimonies that we have throughout our life. Um, Testimonies of God's hand on us as he carried us through loss, through sickness, uh, through provision, and... um, and how he stood in the gap for us and carried us and that we actually did have joy in the morning as we we carried we were carried through those those different things in 1977 i was behind the wheel of a very tragic car accident the result of drinking and driving uh the plan was to, i was 16 years old the plan was to uh Go to a, a party, uh, borrow a friend's borrowed a brand new, a friend's brand new 442 Oldsmobile. Myself and three friends, uh, we're going to a party and then going to go back to my hometown uh, to a dance. Um, we went to this party and consumed more alcohol than than was legal to drive. And after we left, a short time after we consumed the alcohol and had a fun time at this party, four miles down the road, I missed a curve and hit a barn. I was riddled with shame and guilt. The next day, uh, I was told that two of my friends didn't make it, that they had died. And... Uh, I became, I was once a very fun-loving, outgoing uh, teenager, and I became a very uh, embarrassed, uh, introvert, uh, self-conscious. I felt like everybody was looking at me. And uh, um, I just became a different person. I didn't know why God had allowed that to happen to me and why he had taken my friends and, and allowed me to live. I believed in God from my Catholic upbringing. I prayed to him um, all the time. I prayed to him that night and asked him to take care of me and take care of my friends. Five years later, a friend, two friends actually, invited me to lunch. And they knew that I needed something more than just believing in God. They shared with me that God had a plan for my life and that he loved me that the wrong things that I, I do and that I've done is sin, and that it keeps me from that plan that, uh, that God had for me. My uh, life verse is Romans eight twenty eight: For all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he did know he... Did to become conformed into the image of his son. I could see God's hand even after I accepted Christ as my Savior and asked him into my life. I could see God's hand on me. And in fact, Brother Ernie, we were just talking about this. Even before we accepted Christ as our Savior, I could see his hand on me and how he carried me through these different things. And uh and has uh, made me the person I am today or once I had my confidence in myself and what I looked like having lots of friends and being on the pom-pom team or whatever he gave me myself back my confidence back but my confidence is not in myself but it's in my Lord Savior Jesus Christ uh, who showed me unconditional love and he continues to show me unconditional love he renewed my spirit and t- today I live my life knowing who I am in him, a beloved child of God, and, and I share this, and I'm thankful because with that confidence in him as my Savior and with his lead, I share that, and, and he gives me so many opportunities to pass on what I've been giving, and I'm so thankful for that.
0: I told you a couple of weeks ago I was going to preach from Romans 7 this week, and I've changed my mind. We're going to do that next week, um, so, but we'll, we, will, we will get there. We've been talking about renewal, and I've realized that a lot of people get stuck. They get stuck on the road to Reuel. and I've wondered why people get stuck. I think some people get stuck because they start off from the very beginning on the wrong path, they thought it was the trailhead to a new life, but it turned out to be a dead end. And it's not long before there's no place left for them to go. The only way forward for them is to go back. Get on the right path and start over. If you're stuck, if you feel stuck, you might have taken the wrong path. You might have been on the wrong path all along. I, I suppose there are a variety of dead-end paths people can take. I'm going to mention two. Both are very broad. There's lots of people on them, but they don't lead where we want to go. The first is the path of works without faith. Or we might say religion without Jesus. And the second is faith without works. Or we might say heaven's joys without earth's obedience. Let me Take the first one. And as I'm speaking, just think, am I on this path? Religion without Jesus is a dead end. Jesus' name may be on the door, but he's not in the office. If you're on this dead end, and dead end is exactly the right term, you'll find that reaching your goal is entirely up to you. Whether your goal is becoming a better person or improving the world or getting into heaven when you die, your success will depend on you keeping whatever prescribed things your circle has told you to keep. And one of those circles, the prescribed things are going to church and reading the Bible. In another, keeping certain rules. Or observing certain traditions. And yet another, it might be taking care of the poor. Or voting for the political candidate who takes all the right stands. Now, there might be nothing wrong with the prescribed things. And there might even be a great deal right with them. The problem is not the presence of these prescribed things, but the absence of Jesus for months we've been talking about real and i want to make sure you haven't got the wrong idea about it we're not talking about self-improvement how do i get better how do i make myself a better person christianity doesn't proclaim a gospel of self-improvement though faith in jesus will certainly improve you christianity proclaims the gospel of god and the gospel of his son jesus christ god has not forgotten or forsaken his world he sent his son to save the world even though doing so required him to die. The good news is that God is making right what went wrong. He's making children out of rebels, and he's making saints out of sinners, and he's doing it all through Jesus' death and resurrection. A Christianity without a crucified and resurrected Jesus is a total dead end. If you're on on that dead end, get off of it. The other dead end, the heaven without earth, Faith without works way is supposed to lead us to heaven. But Jesus isn't on this path either, and I'm not sure people expect him to be there. They say that he made it, he made a way, and sometimes they call that way the plan of salvation, and all we have to do is believe it and we'll go to heaven. Look, the Bible doesn't promise anyone salvation for believing in a plan. Only for believing in a savior. This way is a dead end for a couple reasons. First, it makes getting into heaven the goal. It makes getting into heaven the thing about which life, for which life exists. It's all about getting into heaven. If you search the scriptures, you'll see it's not so. You cannot use Jesus as a means to an end, not even when the end is heaven. He is not a ticket to heaven. He's not an entrance visa. He's not an automatic door opener. He is Lord. You can't use him to get into heaven and then discard him like a ticket stub once you get there. If you choose him, you're stuck with him. Now, being stuck with Jesus is life eternal. But that's not how people see it, who think of him only as a free pass into heaven. Now, I said this this heaven without earth, faith without works plan is a dead end, there's another reason. It misunderstands what faith is. It puts intellectual assent to a proposition about Jesus in place of trust in the person of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that propositional truth is unimportant. It's immensely important. At Lockwood, we spend a great deal of time talking about it. Getting our facts right about Jesus helps us trust him. And if we get our facts wrong about him, we're not going to trust him. But having faith in a proposition is not the same thing as having faith in a person. When you believe in Jesus, you entrust yourself to a person, not a plan. Let me share an incident from a life of a near contemporary of Jesus to help us understand what the Bible means when it speaks of having faith in Jesus. The historian Josephus, whose his life overlapped with that of Jesus... Was the head of Jewish forces in Galilee when Israel was at war with Rome. And while he was the head of Jewish forces, he had to deal with the insubordination of a Galilean rebel leader and his followers. He made a promise to that leader that he would accept him, but only if he would, and I'll quote, show repentance and have faith in me. So he said to this rebel leader, I will condone your actions. I will accept you. But only if you show repentance and have faith in me. Now it's clear that he wasn't demanding the man uh, assent to certain truths about him. That he was the commander of Galilean forces, for example. Even though that was true. He was calling the man to give up his way. Doing things his way. And join him. Belief in Jesus is much the same. When he says, believe in me, he's not saying, believe that I'm God incarnate, for example, even though that's true. He is saying, give up your way of doing things and join me. Has your faith joined you to Jesus? See, the ultimate problem with these dead ends is that you don't find Jesus there. Faith without works and works without faith both miss the mark because they miss Jesus. The Jesus, the real Jesus that died and rose again, present with us as Lord, Jesus. Both in liberal circles and in conservative ones, there's always a danger of degenerating into a Christless religion or a religion with a crossless Christ. Our only hope of being accepted by God and included in his people and therefore our only hope of heaven is giving up our own way and trusting our lives to the Christ who died for us. If you're on one of those dead-end paths, you're going to get stuck. Now, you may feel stuck. Don't assume it's because you're on one of those dead-end paths. People can get stuck on the true way as well. They get confused. They're afraid they've wandered off onto a wrong path. And they think that because the path they're on doesn't look like what they expected. So they stop advancing. They get stuck, or worse, they leave the true way and they launch out in a new direction, trying to find a way that looks more like the one they expected. And of course, they'll find one. And it'll seem right for a while. But they've forgotten the Proverbs warning. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I can think of at least two reasons why you might feel stuck when you're on the right path. First, you might feel stuck because you thought this path was going to be easier than it is. That expectation, reinforced by bad theology and by a lopsided hymnody that concentrates on feelings of love and happiness, that expectation is that the way forward will be smooth. You know, you can think that the Christian life is like the sky ride at Cedar Point. It takes you from one part of the park to another. And and you don't think that there are going to be any bumps or any drops, it's just going to be a nice level ride from earth to heaven. But instead of the sky ride, you find it to be a whole lot more like that roller coaster wicked twister with its ups and its downs, where up is agonizingly slow and down is a breakneck, break your heart, deadfall. Somehow, we've got the idea that the christian life shouldn't hurt it should be easy and when it hurts when when our child dies or ends up in jail when we're diagnosed with an incurable illness when our money runs out before our bills are paid. Our spouse has an affair and breaks our heart. Our boss criticizes everything we do. Our car breaks down. We have headaches every day that make us want to scream and no one knows why. We find out that we can't have children. We find out that we're having a child we didn't want. Our brothers and sisters won't talk to us because of the inheritance. Our relative is incapacitated by mental illness. The list goes on and on. And these are just some of the ones I know about in our own church family. When life hurts, we make the wrong conclusion that we've missed the path because life shouldn't hurt. Not if you belong to Jesus. How we continue to hold that idea in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary is beyond me. Not only does life disprove it, so does the Bible. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have trouble Not you might have trouble. The Apostle Paul said, We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. The Apostle Peter wrote, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. This isn't strange. This is life. Patient Job said, Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Who in the Bible didn't have trouble? Abraham had a wayward nephew. His wife couldn't get pregnant. The women in his life couldn't get along. Moses, his own brother and sister, questioned his leadership. There was rebellion in the ranks. People complained to him and about him day after day. Worse than that, he was barred from entering the promised land, which had been his goal for more than 40 years. David had a boss who hated him, brothers who picked on him, and a wife who criticized him. He had a son die and then another. His most trusted comrades were deceitful and violent and manipulative. Paul was shipwrecked, jailed, beaten, maligned. He suffered from physical illness, lack of funds, anxiety, sleeplessness. And if all that's not enough, when God took human form, it was as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was bad-mouthed by those in authority, doubted by his friends. He never had any money. He was misunderstood by his own family, hated by people who should have supported him, persecuted, mistreated, betrayed, and finally killed. He was no politician pandering for votes. He didn't say, follow me, and I will provide jobs for the middle class. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So one reason people get stuck on the way, on the true way, is that they wrongly assume that it's going to be easy. And when it's not, they don't know what to do. They stop. They get stuck. Or they leave the path for something else. Now, I said there's another reason people get stuck. And that's because they try to follow the path instead of the leader. That's a big problem. We would rather follow the path than follow the leader because that leaves us firmly in control. So we try to follow the path our own way. But when it gets narrow or steep, we hesitate. When it disappears around the next bend, we stop. But look, the Bible doesn't... Not tell us to fix our eyes on the path, but to fix our eyes on Jesus. If we take our eyes off Him, we're going to lose our way. See, He not only leads us on the way, He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way besides Him. When I was a boy, my family was coming back from a fishing trip and Ontario, and we were driving through Toronto, and we stopped to get gas or food or something, and, and then we couldn't find our way back onto the highway, and we kept going around in circles trying to find that entrance ramp, but we couldn't find it, and so finally, my dad pulled up next to a pedestrian and had my mother roll down her window and ask for directions. See, <laughs> see my dad would never ask for directions, <laughs> ever. So here's this French-speaking Canadian who has enough English to talk to us. But she rolls down the window and asks for directions, and instead of answering her, he grabs hold of the door and he opens it up and hops in. And she slides over in the, the, the bench seat of our old Oldsmobile into the middle. But you see, he knew that giving us directions was not going to get us where we wanted to go. But going with us would. When we believe in Jesus... That is when we give up our way of doing things and join him. He joins us. He climbs in with us and leads us through life. He doesn't just show us the way. He is the way. And there's no other. Not to where we want to go. Now, if you've been feeling stuck, try to figure out why. Did you accidentally get uh, get on a dead-end path? With a Jesus-less religion. Now, I've learned that you can be very conservative theologically and very liberal theologically, and either way, you still have a Jesus-less religion. Becoming the person you were meant to be is only possible if the real Jesus is really with you, the crucified, resurrected. Jesus, And for him to be with you, you must believe on him. That is, you must giving give up doing it your own way and join him. Don't ask him to give up his way to join you. Don't bother asking him to bless your attempts to be moral or be religious. Oh God, I'm trying. Won't you help me? Stop trying to make yourself right with God in your own way and accept his way. Or rather, accept him who is the way. Who died for you and was resurrected. See, death and resurrection, that's God's plan. But you'll never get there without Jesus. The real Jesus. But I think it more likely that you've got stuck because you were expecting ease. And you got difficulty. Happiness And you got hardship. Up and you got down. Here's what you need to know you can make progress in both the ups and the downs. And frankly, from my own experience and watching others, you'll make more progress in the downs than in the ups. But only if you are living with and trusting in Jesus. It's not a question of whether you'll have ups or downs on this way. You will have ups and downs. The question is whether or not you will be trusting in Jesus when you do. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, You see us. You see us over time. You see us from above. And you've seen all the wrong turns we've made and all the times we've gotten off the way. And you know what we're thinking when we do that. You've told us the truth, and we haven't listened. You've given us your grace, and we've tried to do it on our own. And yet, you still love us. And your patience towards us has not been expended. Heavenly Father, you amaze us by your goodness. We confess, Lord, we have tried to do it our own way. and We've tried to do it somehow without you. Please forgive us. Lord, some of us have grown weary and tired on the way. We've been hard-pressed on every side. I pray for... For those who are in that situation that you will give them courage and strength give them backbone make them tough make their, like, their foreheads like flint make them able to go on in spite of the difficulty but then Lord also in the midst of them all that give them yourself yourself so they know it's you for those who got on the wrong path to begin with of religion without Jesus. I pray that you'll let them know that. Help them turn around and get off that path. And come to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. I ask this in his good name, the name of Jesus. Amen.